Well, good morning. Uh, my name is uh, Bob, as Benny said, and uh, I'd like to welcome any visitors with us this morning and uh, pray that the Lord really bless you as we share in the Word together this morning. Uh, I came across just as an opening address part of the, of the message this morning, a lovely story by Billy Graham, and he talks about Albert Einstein, and he, he reflects on the story of Albert Einstein. He goes onto a train, and as he goes onto a train, um, the, the ticket conductor comes around and he starts looking at all the people's tickets, and he clicks them and all the rest of it, but Albert Einstein, he started to feel in his pockets... He started to feel in his back pockets, and he started to look in his briefcase, and he started to look around, and eventually the ticket collector came to him, and he said, Mr. Einstein, um, we all know who you are, um, um, but it doesn't matter whether you've got a ticket or not. We know you must have bought a ticket, and, and so on, and so don't worry about your ticket, and, and so the, um, Albert Einstein allows the ticket conductor to not obviously find his ticket, and eventually, as the con conductor gets to the end of the carriage, he starts looking around at Mr. Einstein again, who by this time had now started to open his briefcase. It started to crawl around on the floor underneath all the chairs. The conductor runs back and says, Mr. Einstein, you really don't have to worry. It's not a problem. And Mr. Einstein re re replied by saying, Young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I am going, because he had lost his ticket. I pray this morning that none of us have lost our tickets this morning, because just as the, the story unfolds, we, we kind of realize that each and every one of us at point in time, we lose things. As Einstein had lost his ticket, I'm sure many of us have gone around the, the, the house and over many, many hours perhaps, where's the keys? Where's my glasses? And I've been running around with them and they've been here on the, all the time. Or maybe the, you've started to say to the children, you start interrogating the children, where's daddy's keys? Now our grandson, when he was a lot smaller, no matter where you looked, he always had a little hidey hole. Whether it was for a tennis ball your keys, your glasses, your watch, whatever it was, he was always putting it in the little hidey hole. But to us, it was something that was lost. And I can't imagine in your hearts how you feel, because I know how I feel when I've lost my keys, lost my wallet, lost my cell phone. I know some people have got these fancy little things, you clap your hands and it beeps at you and it says, where am I? I'm here. But that doesn't always work. There's always that moment in time when we have this lost moment where we find something that was missing, something that we can't find. So I want to just start this morning by just reading the word of Scripture, which is from um, uh, the, the story from uh, what Jesus tells to us. And he, he tell, tells us about the parable of the lost coin. Now, it's amongst the trilogy of three lost stories. The first one was the lost sheep. And I think over the last little while, we've, we've had lots of stories about being the sheep and, and how we lose by the sheep, it wanders off, and so on and so forth. 
But then the second of the, th of the three stories is the lost coin. And I, I think we can all identify with the lost coin. And then the last of the three stories is obviously the prodigal son. But this morning I just want to read um, about the, the lost coin. And Jesus is saying these words in front of the Pharisees and he's talking to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And in Luke 15 verse 8, he says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And then she finds it. She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, Jesus says, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What a joy, what, a, what an inspiration it is to know that that's the words from Jesus to each and every one of us this morning. But you know, when Jesus was telling this story, he was telling the story about describing God as a person, a person who would actually come down and he would stoop down and yes, he would crawl around the, underneath the chairs looking for you. He would look for the filthy, the rotten, the scoundrel, the criminal. He would look for the, the sinner. And he was quite prepared. Jesus ate with the sinners. And we, we know that the stories that go about the life of Jesus and the way he, he was criticized for looking at the lowest of the low. Those people who are really, really not part of the elite. Now, when I was, I was younger... Uh, yes, I was younger at some point. Um, I, I kind of had a, a lovely upbringing, and I don't think and I've shared my testimony before, but during this time of being in my early 20s, there was this point in time where I started to realize that God had started to look for me. He was looking for me, the sinner. He was looking, crawling around under the chairs. He was looking for my ticket. He was looking to see, had Bob given his life to me? You know, and there's that, that easiness of saying that the lost coin. Now, the lost coin, now that was probably something worth a, a valuable amount of money for the lady. And perhaps when in the Jewish tradition, the lady, when they're married, they, they, are, they make like a, a headdress, and it's with chain, and it's with ten particular coins. And perhaps she'd lost one. And she'd started to crawl underneath the chair. She'd started to look under the table. She got the broom out, causing a lot of dust by looking for someone, looking for that coin. Now, for me, I could have been that coin underneath the chair, in the corner, lost in the dust. In the psalm, the psalmist in, cha in chapter 73 says these words, But as for me... My feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You know, when, when you think of a young person in their early 20s and with children and with family and with work and so on, it was so, so easy to be that lost coin. It was so easy to have gone away from the family, it would have been so easy to have gone into the business world and really been arrogant and bitter and twisted. For I nearly lost my foothold, the psalmist said. I feel at that moment in time, 
I also had a choice. Did I want to be that lost coin? Or did I want to be the coin that was found where there was rejoicing in his presence amongst the angels? And it was in, in that early, probably the, the late 70s, early 1980s or so that I came and we kind of don't want to talk about hell, fire and damnation. But I have a fear of God. I have a fear, a tremendous fear of the Creator God who looks down upon us and he's worth, He is worthy to come down and look for me underneath the chair, underneath the table, to crawl in the dust. He wants to look for me, the sinner. But hellfire and damnation kept me away from His presence. I had a fear of Him. I had a, a complete fear, distrust. How can the God, the Creator, love me? Look at what He has done. Look at the creation. Let us look at the volcano. Let us look at the eruption that comes from it and the heat and the fire and the cloud and the smoke. He is the Creator. And it, he sur He's surrounded by that fire. He's surrounded by the angels. Oh, I fear Him. I fear Him with great, great respect. But I come into His presence knowing I am a forgiven sinner. I come into that place, a lost coin that he has found, that he is rejoicing over. You know, sometimes when we, when we come through this, this notion of, of Jesus and this, this story of him trying to describe how God is to us, scratching in the dust, looking for us, you know, it, it's almost foreign it's almost abhorrent that we would think that the king of kings would come down and stoop so low. Now, people that Jesus was talking about was the, the religious elite. Look at my fancy clothes. I come to church on a Sunday or the Sabbath on the Saturday. I am the, the religious elite. I follow the religious uh, regulations. I do everything. I give my little bit of cumin. I give my little bit of spices into the tithe box. I'm looking at the tithe box. What have you done today? They knew that God loved them more than anyone else. They would shout from the rooftops, how good am I? So how would it be when Jesus spoke to the religious elite and he said, you are a sinner and you are like that lost coin and I am stooping down to touch earth, to touch humanity. Yes, Jesus, Jesus touched the leper. He touched the criminal. He spoke over a criminal in his last breath on the cross and forgave a sinner. I feel sorry for us as a church because Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, comes across so much this morning. And I want to read from Revelations chapter 3, from verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write these words. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Um, Jesus came quite obviously, and it's all the way through Scripture that he came to save the lost. And he wanted to save them. But he had to search. He had to seek them. Now, for, for some for some of us, we can identify perhaps with some of the characters in Scripture. And I just want to draw just for this, this short little message this morning of two people, one called Stephen and one called Demas. Now, Stephen was a, a Hellenic Jew, and we can read about the life of Stephen in Acts 6 and Acts, uh, chapter 11. And he became a follower of Jesus. And at some point before he became, yes, he was a Jew, but before he became a Christian, a follower, a devout follower of Jesus, he was lost. He followed the, the religious um, uh, processes in, at the, of the Jew, and he was following that principle. And he thought he was better than most. But when he was found by Jesus, he repented and realized who he was in Jesus' eyes. And we all know that the story of Stephen, he became the first martyr for Jesus. And we, we read of his, his, his precious testimony, sharing the love of Jesus. But there is the story of Demas, also similar to, to Stephen, but he became one of Paul's workers, and work, walked and worked with Paul. And we all know how important the message that Paul had to the Jew and to the Gentile. But Demas enjoyed worldly living, and he turned back from his worldly ways. Now, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, we, we talk about in verses 1 to 35 all the people who have really wanted to consider the living in faith. Now, if we, if we go through the, the book of, um, uh, of Hebrews, especially chapter 11, and it's very, very interesting when we go through chapter 11, the first 34 verses or so expound on how by faith Noah lived, how by faith Abraham lived. How Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah warned uh, the people around him, and he also lived in holy fear. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed Joseph's sons. Sorry.
There is a, a tremendous amount of faith being spoken about in Hebrews 11. But when persecution comes, where is our faith? For if we, we start reading from about verse 36 or so, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the, by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know, there is this, this prosperity, if you like, that like the, the church in, of Laodicea, we see the current We see the current economic and perhaps a glimmer of hope in the church. But what of our faith when persecution comes? We can happily say, yes, we've been that lost coin. Jesus has stooped down and saw us in the dust, in the dust and the dirt. And he has raised us in his hand. But where's our faith when persecution comes? Will you enter into the hallway of faith rejoicing that you will suffer for Jesus? Or will you abandon the gospel message like Demas, searching for the worldly pleasures, the worldly things, the activities of the world? I believe we have this hallway, this hallway of faith in front of us this morning. For it says in in Revelations chapter 3, and if I read on a little bit more, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent, I read. But Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I believe standing in that hallway of faith and reading from chapter 11, verses 35, persecution hasn't even started yet. And I think that door of the hallway of the the beauty of faith is going to see a different picture if we start looking looking at the the enormity of persecution that's going to come. And that's the, the awe, that's the fear of God that I have. Is my faith going to stand strong this morning? Is my faith going to be there? Or am I going to remain lost like that coin in the dust. There is a a wonderful uh, song that we don't normally sing, but it's something that its title is to be lost in wonder. And if we stand in awe of God, we fear him. We fear this God, this awesome God. And the words that of the song, and I've only chosen some of the chorus and the verse, but Just hear me out when I say this should be our mantra, no matter how persecuted we are, no matter how difficult we are in our addiction, 
And we're trying to get out of everything that is holding us back to knowing Jesus. Everything that is causing us to be in that prison and to be bound by the chains of things around us. Jesus has stooped low to find us, that lost coin, that lost person. The words of the song says, You chose the cross with every breath, the perfect life, the perfect death. A crown of thorns you wore for us and crowned us with eternal life. You chose the cross. And though your soul was overwhelmed with pain, obedient to death, you overcame. I'm lost in wonder. I'm lost in love. I'm lost in praise forevermore. Because of Jesus' unfailing love, I am forgiven. I am restored. Oh, to be lost in wonder. There is a sort of like a, a, a positive and a negative over the word lost. We can be lost. We can go into our selfish will and our selfish ways and we'll be lost from Jesus. But he does come. He does come down and touch and look for us. But we can also be lost in wonder. Lost in the wonder of his spirit. Lost in the wonder of that fearful God that I'm talking of. That one who restored me. Who took me from the dust and brought me out into his presence so many years ago. Where are you this morning? Yet we have this, we have this fear of the future. We kind of all have this fear of the future. And that becomes where we are lost. Sometimes when we, we are so lost, we, we have this fear. We have this fear of, oh, yes, I'm praying for a new job. And I'm fearful of how that job's going to turn out. Am I going to handle it? Am I going to be able to do what they're asking of me? That becomes a new fear. Not the fear of getting the job, but how to do the job. Once you've asked your young lady, perhaps, to marry you, or vice versa, for the lady to be accept, you kind of have that fear of the wedding. You have the fear of the marriage. But then it comes to that point of fear. How can I handle that fear? How can I handle that marriage? Again, fear crops up. Now, if we, if we understand faith, Jesus is here with us. We are not lost, lost to the world, lost to him. We are lost in his wonder, in his glory, in his very presence. I want to be continually lost in the wonder of Jesus. I want to be totally lost in his love. He has found me, the lost coin. No, faith is being with God of heaven. And fear is being, having faith perhaps in the enemy. Because fear is something, fear is something that's tangible. We all experience fear. But if we know and feel that lost in wonder, we can feel the grasp of Jesus' hand around us as he encourages us. 
for in closing, we can, we can all remember the story, I'm sure, where, where Peter is asked to say, when Jesus says to him, come, and, Jesus ju- and, and Peter jumps out of the, boat, of the boat, and he jumps into the water, and there's certain, suddenly there's that faith, and then there's that fear. He steps out of the water in full faith. Yes, I hear your voice, Jesus. You've said word, come. I come. In faith, I stand. But then that fear kicks in. Peter wishes he perhaps had not stepped out in faith. But Jesus, he said, come. And he takes that that faith away, with that fear away in true faith as he takes his hand. Confident. The confidence is there. The fear has vanished. Even though he perhaps began to sink a little bit in the water, his anxiety and his worry was there in faith. If we often go through our, our, our faith moments and we see the difference of faith and fear, we know and have confidence in a Savior who saves us. <coughs> and just to give you confidence, did you know that there is the more than 366 verses that in Scripture that tells us not to be afraid, do not be lost? How encouraging that is. But yet we have these hindrances. We want to have that faith. We want to be found by Jesus. We want to be given that hand to pull us into the water and to stand and to walk the water. But our faith suddenly lapses into self-will. And for me, in the early moments of time, as for me, my feet almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. I hate to think what that would have been like if I had not have reached out when Jesus said, come and hold my hand in faith. My fear is gone, but I still have a fear of God, the awesomeness, the hellfire and damnation of God. I always want to be righteous. I want to be in His presence. I always want to have that assurance. But when I know that there's a verse per day where Jesus says, do not be afraid, my fear vanishes, and it's a wonderful feeling, for there is nothing hidden in his sight. And in conclusion this morning, I want to just read from Romans chapter 8, because it, it comes to the point where we certainly need to know the difference between being lost, let me just read it, the difference between lost, the difference between getting lost and staying lost. We are at this moment, we are at this moment in time of saying, I want to get lost in the awesomeness of God. I want to get lost in His Spirit. I want to get lost and and raptured by Him. I want to be lost in Him totally but I don't want to stay lost. I don't want to stay lost underneath the chair in the dirt and the grime. I want to be found by God. I want to be given the opportunity to hold His hand, for He says, 
there I am. I comfort you. I love you. I give you that peace. So in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39, if we read these words, it is the encouragement of getting lost in His presence. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The difference between getting lost and staying lost is in your hands this morning. There is that moment in time where we start realizing, are we lost? Lost to Jesus, or are we lost in his wonder today? I ask you to just close your eyes, and with every head bowed, and with every thought just on the words from from Romans chapter 8. The wonderful, the wonderful idea and concept that God came down in the form of Jesus to touch our hand. He simply says, come, I have found you. I have found you into a special place. I have anointed you. I have given you a special position. But all you ask of us is to ask for forgiveness. You ask of us, Lord Jesus, for forgiveness of the hurts, the wrongs, the feeling of being a lost coin, hidden, uncared for. But we ask your forgiveness, Lord Jesus, for not reaching out and touching your hand. When you clearly have said to us, come, you are my lost coin. I want to rejoice. I want to rejoice with you in my presence. Do you know that rejoicing over you today? Perhaps there are someone here this morning who, who've, who've never experienced that rejoicing Knowing the hand of Jesus surrounding you like that lost coin. When it's gripped, I've found you, Jesus says. Perhaps there's someone there this morning who has never felt the hand of the Master holding you as he's found you. I'm going to ask if there is anyone here this morning who has never felt the hand of the Master. He is saying to you this morning, come. I will take you from the mire. I will take you from the slimy pit. I have found you, Jesus said. If there is anyone here this morning like that, why don't you be brave enough to raise your hand to a point of the the service this morning. 
Perhaps there's lots of us this morning who have, who have felt, yes, we are still lost. Has Jesus really found me? He has scratched. He has scratched in the dirt looking for you. For you have created so much dirt around you. So much addiction around you. So much anger. So much bitterness. So much hatred. But Jesus has stooped low this morning. And he has reached out his hand. Come. I stand at the door and knock. Will you let me in, says Jesus this morning. Oh, Lord, I pray, Lord, that people respond, Lord, to your, your call this morning. It's not me, Bob Burton, being here this morning. It is you, Lord Jesus, saying, come. You've searched for the lost coin, Lord. You've found the beauty of it. You've shined. you put a shine back on that coin, Lord. You've set it back in its rightful place. Oh, Lord, let us receive that which you have for us today. Let us rejoice in your presence with the angels, rejoicing for, even if it's for one person who's been re, um, found today. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, prompt each and every heart this morning that you have found us, that you have found us in your presence this morning, that you're wanting, Lord, to take us from that miry pit, that miry area of our lives, Lord, that you want to just restore us. Come, Lord Jesus, restore us. We thank you, Lord, for your call to us this morning. Help us to respond to you this morning, Lord. You chose the cross with every breath. The perfect life, the perfect death, a crown of thorns you were for us and crowned us with eternal life. You chose the cross. Albert Einstein knew where he had a ticket, but he didn't know where he was going. Do you know where you are going this morning? And though your soul was overwhelmed with pain, obedient to death, you overcame. I'm lost in wonder. I'm lost in love. I'm lost in praise forevermore. Because of Jesus' unfailing love, I am forgiven. I am restored. Oh, to be lost in wonder. In response this morning, if there's anyone who needs prayer, anyone who needs to, to really um, be lost in wonder, I'd like you to come forward this morning. We will pray for you. Just to, to come into that real presence of knowing the hand of the Savior simply says, come, I give you peace. If anyone's brave enough to come forward this morning, Let's just close in prayer. Father, we just give you thanks, Lord, for the opportunity of being with you this morning. And I pray, Lord Jesus, as people respond this morning, Lord, that you will indeed just take their bitterness, take their shame, take their position in society, Lord, and give you praise.
to give you rejoicing. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will indeed just rest your hand upon anyone who has responded this morning. Whether they're brave enough people to come forward, Lord, and ask for prayer, or people who just sit, Lord, and just cry out to you, I want to take your hand, Lord Jesus. I want to take your hand, Lord. I want to feel like that shiny coin that you have found. Oh, Lord, I really want to be lost in wonder this morning.